How you doing, everyone? Brother Dell of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Wanted to thank you for tuning in yet again for an opportunity for us to grow together as we explore the unsearchable riches of God's holy word. And the theme again is Matthew chapter four, verse four. Definitely should know it by now, but I love to repeat it because faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. Matthew chapter four, verse four, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I was pondering on what I wanted to discuss over the weekend and decided that a good subject to discuss would be a episode that I've decided to entitle The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real. And the reason why I came up with that title is because we as believers, as children of God, as Christians, are going through an internal battle. We are actually at war with ourselves. And if that doesn't make sense right now, hopefully by the end of this segment, I will be able to provide some illumination from God's holy word that will cause that title to make a lot more sense. We are definitely in a internal war and that war that we're dealing with is the struggle between our spirit and our flesh. The two are definitely opposed to one another. And the Bible says that as a matter of fact, to launch the discussion, I want to go over to Galatians chapter five. And I want to start at verse, I believe it's 16. Yes. Galatians chapter five, verse 16 reads like this. It says, but I say, this is the apostle Paul speaking, by the way, to the churches at Galatia said, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. All right. So that's the first scripture that I wanted to mention. And, and Jesus in speaking to his disciples in, in the gospel of John chapter 16, he says this, he says in this world, you will have tribulation or trouble. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and that should hopefully provide tremendous comfort to us because we're struggling in a mighty way. That is if you are trying to resist temptation to sin. Now, if you're not struggling at all, then that, that is the, that is an even worse problem because that means you're giving into your temptations, which leads to sin. 
And of course, sin ultimately breeds death. So we should all be in the struggle and we should be winning this war. As a matter of fact, we have to win the war because Jesus said that he overcame the world. And if we are in him, then we also are overcomers. Amen. So let me read another passage of scripture that hopefully would also talk about our struggle being real. And the one I want to go to next, well, I'm going to read some passages in Romans, and this really should uh, hit home because the Apostle Paul, who is who was a gladiator in the early church and mightily used of God, so much so that he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. There are 27 books that are considered New Testament books, and he wrote nearly half of them. So he was used extraordinarily mighty by God. But Paul talks about his struggle with the things that he should do versus the things that he shouldn't do. And this is what he says. And I'll start with verse 15. It says, for I do not understand my own actions for I do not understand my own actions. I'm sorry. I read that twice for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing. Listen to this that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, in his body. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now, Paul begins to decry his situation. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. So this is the struggle that every bona fide true believer is experiencing. And so if Paul, who was a pillar in the first century church, is talking about his struggle with this tug of war that he's dealing with between his spirit and his flesh, how much more are we struggling with it? So this is encouraging to me. And the reason why it is, is because with a, you know, apostolic giant like Paul, if he's going through this stuff, then I have to believe that I'm not alone. Matter of fact, I know that I'm not alone and that if he's struggling with his flesh, then I know that the struggle with my flesh is not something that is uncommon. You follow what I'm saying? And here's another scripture I want to travel to. It wasn't in my list of scriptures that I wrote down prior to getting onto 
the uh, the show here, but I want to go ahead and bring it up anyway. I think it's a very good one to use, and it's in First Corinthians chapter ten, and it's verse thirteen. So those of you who are listening probably are familiar with this one. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man." This is this is wonderful. God is faithful. That means God is steadfast. That means God is loyal. That means God is trustworthy. That means God can be believed. Amen. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Some versions say beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, which means a test, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So it's not the design of God necessarily to deliver us from from the temptation, but give us the strength and the wherewithal to endure it. Amen. So we can't necessarily learn what it is that we need to learn through the trial. If every time we get a trial, we cry to God and he just says, "Okay, I'm going to take you out of it. No, sometimes God has designed it so that we go through the fire, we go through the trial, we go through the testing, we go through the pain because he needs to grow us up. There are some areas in our lives that probably need strengthening, that we're weak in and that we need to be strengthened and we need to be humbled or humiliated so that we will depend upon him more and not be so self-sufficient, but be sufficient in Christ Jesus. All right. So let me continue in our discussion. I'm going to go to another chapter, another book in another chapter. Rather, we're going to go to Romans chapter eight. And I want to look at verse 18. Start there. It says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's very profound. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And that's very important to uh, to recognize because when our bodies are redeemed, that means our salvation has been completed. Our salvation has reached its culmination because we are saved within. In other words, our spirits have been revived. We've been regenerated by the spirit of God, but our bodies are still corrupt and they have not received their salvation yet. In other words, our bodies are still subject to decay. Our bodies are still uh, corruptible. We're still subject to death physically. So once our bodies are made like Jesus, glorious body, once we have a resurrection body like his, which is not subject to decay, or death, we're going to continue to have this spirit and flesh tug of war battle that we're dealing with right now. You understand what I'm saying? So that's why I'm doing this segment to provide encouragement from the Holy Scriptures that even though we're struggling right now, 
we're frustrated because the things that we want to do, we find ourselves not doing those and the things that we don't want to do, as Paul just mentioned to us in Romans chapter seven, we find ourselves doing those things. So we have to continue to encourage ourselves with the word of God so that we can, um, excuse me, overcome our struggles, our battles. So let's go over to another passage of scripture and it's Philippians 1:29, and it simply says this. It says that it has been granted not only for us to believe, but also to suffer for the sake of Christ. So here's another insight. The fact that the matter that we suffer is a gift from God. And that's something that we don't hear hardly ever. We've been granted not only to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're also we've also been given a grant to suffer for his sake. And the first century church knew that very well. But with all the the modernism and the the falsehood that we're dealing with today in the church, I mean, there are churches that believe that Jesus came so that we could be healthy and that we could be wealthy and that we can be little gods and, and, and nonsense like that. And that is not why he came. He didn't come so that we could be healed of all our diseases. He didn't come so that we could be, we can live in the best houses or drive the best cars. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not why he came. And if a person believes that's why he came, then you've missed the whole point of why God the Father sent the Son in the first place. You've missed it entirely. He came to save his people from their sins. That's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. All right, let's go to another passage of scripture that also will, I believe, provide encouragement. And that's the whole point. Once again, ladies and gentlemen of this segment is to provide encouragement to you that I know you're, you're struggling. You're having a hard time. You figure you're losing the battle and trying to live right and do what's right and wondering if there's any relief or any way out. We just have to hang in there. The struggle is indeed real, but we win. We will be victorious. And this is what Peter says in his first letter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse six, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, here it is, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, far more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is very beautiful. I love this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All right. First Peter chapter one, verses three to nine. 
So Peter also talks about the struggles of the uh, Christian life, just like Paul did. So you see that they're on uh, the same page. So, and Jesus talked about it as well. As a matter of fact, Jesus suffered more than any human being has ever suffered because we cannot know in full the magnitude of the suffering that he had to undergo because he took on the sins of the entire planet. We have no way to totally comprehend that ultimate, perfect, pure expression of love for us as a sinful uh, mankind, right? So we've been given a edict, as it were, to struggle if we're going to be in the Christian faith. I mean, Paul also mentioned in the book of um, Timothy, he says, those who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. In other words, it's not a question of if, but it's a question of when. So it is a guarantee and it, it's a it's considered probably by many a, a negative promise, but it isn't a, a promise nonetheless. But like I said, when you compare what we are going to inherit versus what we're dealing with now, there really is no comparison. And like it, it reads in Romans chapter eight, it says, Paul speaking says the struggles that I'm going through now are not to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in me. In other words, the glory that we're about to receive does not compare with the temporary pain and struggle and grief that we're dealing with right now in this earth realm. This, this place is an evil place. It is evil to the core. So there is no way that we can be free from trouble, from pain, from sorrow, from disappointment, from grief, from death. All of that is part of the earthbound experience. And we as believers have to be beacons of light to those who have no hope. We have ultimate hope. And just to give you a definition of hope in a biblical sense, uh, hope biblically means an earnest expectation. In other words, it means that that which we hope for is guaranteed to happen. See, when you look at regular worldly common hope it's it's more like a wish in other words you are your hope is not fixed it's not anchored it's not guaranteed in other words it may happen it may not happen because you're depending upon the the desires or the word of men but when you depend upon the rock solid immutable word of god then that hope is, is never going to be deferred, is never going to be disappointed. It's going to happen. So therein lies the difference between biblical hope and earthly hope. Earthly hope is not a guarantee. Biblical hope is an absolute guarantee because it is based upon the word of God, which cannot be altered or ever change. Okay, so that's what I wanted to talk about briefly regarding our struggle and it is a real struggle it is a spirit and flesh battle we have to look at it for what it is we have to encourage ourselves uh, with the word of god so that we don't feel like that we're losing the battle even some even though sometimes it may feel that we are like paul had bemoaned his situation in romans chapter 7 like i said just by quick repetition he said the things that i 
don't want to do. Those are the things that I'm doing. In other words, the things that I hate, I find myself doing and the things that I am supposed to do. I have the desire, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Jesus said it this way when he went off into the garden of Gethsemane to pray when he was about to suffer. And he asked Peter, James and John to uh, to watch and pray with him. And when he came back to them, they were asleep. He says, um, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that is what we're dealing with. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh wants to do what's evil. And our spirit is, of course, from regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And it only wants to do what is good. And because these two forces are opposed to one another, therein lies the seat of our struggle and our battle is because we're we're, we're warring with ourselves. We're tug of warring, as it were, with ourselves. You got the flesh wanting to do what it wants to do, and you have the spirit that wants to do what it's supposed to do, and the two are opposed. So encourage yourselves with those scriptures. Encourage yourselves with the word of God. Continue to pray. I mean, God is also uh, interceding um, on our behalf from heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ is doing that. As a matter of fact, it says that in in Hebrews chapter seven, you know, that he's interceding on behalf of us. So we have heavenly backing to persevere in the struggle in which we're dealing with. As a matter of fact, before I sign off, I want to go over there to Hebrews. It says here, <clears throat> excuse me, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lived to make intercession for them and that's the writer of Hebrews talking about Christ making intercession for his people for his redeemed right so we're we're not by ourselves even though sometimes it feels like we are struggling all by ourselves here it is again uh, let's look at it in uh, Romans chapter 8 it says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. for We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us. In other words, he stands in the gap. He becomes an intermediary with groanings too deep for words. Let me read it one more time. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. All right. I'm going to end right there. God bless you for tuning in. Brother Dell of Gospel of Repentance Ministries. I'll talk to you soon.